It is Tuesday, September 6th, 2022, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last talked, Russia decided not not to restart the flow of natural gas through the Nord Stream pipeline. At, you know, they completed the maintenance and just decided, ah, we don't have to turn it back on now. Uh, the Biden administration has asked for another $47.1 billion. The U.S. jobs data in August got a Goldilocks label and... The Iowa State Cyclones won their first game of the season and won it pretty easily. Thank God. All right, Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim. The Nationals have won three in a row, two against the Mets and one against my St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Are they still playing baseball? (laughs) Did you see? (laughs) The Cubs aren't. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see that the Cubs decided to go ahead and pitch to pool holes? Yes, and then he's, you know, he's only five away, I guess, from another record. And just serving him up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) Welcome to you all. I'm glad that you're with us on this Tuesday morning. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. Uh, Senate comes back to work today. The House is still on recess until September 13th, Jim. So we should start to see some movement on some of the critical uh, issues that uh, that that we have talked about in the past here. Uh, the comments tab on your screen. Click on that, and you a dialogue box will pop up. You can uh, uh, be involved in the conversation if you would like to be involved. And Melody, good morning. It's good that you're back. That you'd like to see that, Jim. Let's start with the question that we had on the comments. Uh, I believe just last week about the magnetosphere yes what did what did you learn well it's it's made the earth hospitable Uh, it protects us from the space uh weather but it's weakened uh, apparently about 10 percent or so over the last 160 years so i guess the concern is that if it continues to weaken that it will affect the earth's uh weather cycles are or whatever. That's kind yeah. of the bottom line. It's just something else to worry about. <laughs> and there's a cycle to the strength of the magnetosphere, right? Yes, it can flip-flop. Yeah. It can flip-flop. That that was made clear to me as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that might be why we have periods of warming and periods of cooling in the con- yes. in, in the globe. But I be careful how you say it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying no, I'm, I, and I'm not denying, but I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, some of the things that happened over the weekend, Russia will not restart the flow of gas to Germany as planned. Uh, you were watching the the European energy markets yesterday, Jim. Tell us about it. UK uh, energy prices went up 30% intramarket chip. They settled 10% higher. And uh, throughout Europe, they've gone up. I mean, they, and they were already sky high, as you well know. Now, the uh, European officials are going to meet Friday to approve a huge uh uh, consumer aid uh, package, and we're talking a lot of money, Chip, to bring down the cost of electricity and gas. So this is affecting uh, not only uh, Europe, but it will eventually affect the United States again uh, mm-hmm. as well. We've got uh, uh, Brent crude over uh, right around $92. So they're on their way up. In addition, uh, OPEC Plus uh, Monday yeah. Uh, decrease their production 
by 10%. Not much, you know. Enough. A hundred thousand. I shouldn't say 10%. Yeah. A hundred thousand barrels a day. Yes. But it was the psychological, you know, factor there that, that helped, you know, surge prices as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Jim, how serious, we're talking about a huge amount of money that Putin is, is, um, uh, saying that he could be generating a lot of money from these sales, okay, by restarting the Nord Stream pipeline. The money is important to him. There is no question about that. How serious is he with this threat not to restart the flow? Very serious, uh, because their officials told the West uh, they're not going to open the spigot again on Nord Stream 1 until the West... uh, uh, you, you know, lifts its sanctions. Well, it's not going to happen, you know, very soon. So we're in this for the long haul. So connecting the dots, Chip, you've got U- Ukrainian presidents saying, hey, we need to accelerate our action in this war because uh, Putin and Russia is in for the long haul. Okay. So all these are, are tied together. And Russia, for the first time, really admitted uh, in a report that I think Bloomberg was the first to report on of uh, increasing degradation to their economy as a result of these sanctions. So we're getting some truth now. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I found the numbers now from your your morning update. it, it could cost Russia as much as 400 billion rubles, about $6.6 billion a year in lost tax revenues. You know, with the kind of numbers that we toss around in the U.S., $6.6 billion doesn't sound like that much anymore, Jim. No, but to, you know, Russia's economy, it does. Plus, they're going to be, it, it's going to grow on Russia because w- with with the, them having to replace parts for, for their manufacturing industry that they relied on the West. So they're going to be increasingly inefficient, Chip, and they'll have to close some plants down as well that you're seeing also in in germany uh increased in the future uh so yeah this is having a world impact and that's why the uh wto uh general uh over the weekend uh was rather somber assessment on the uh, outlook ahead not only for trade volume i think they're going to you know reduce it in the next few days, but also on the impact of all these things we've been talking about, uh, energy, uh, et cetera, how it will affect uh, the entire global economy. Okay. So last week we talked about the plan to put a cap on Russian oil prices. Now it looks like there is a plan on how that cap is going to be enforced. Yeah, and two different dates. I forget the exact dates. One is December and the other one, I think, is sometime early next. February. Yeah, in February. But, you know, Russia holds the trump card, I think, on this one because they're going to move even more of their volume if they do this, okay, to Asia. And uh, so unless you have the vast majority of countries in this coalition for this plan ship, I don't think it's going to work. That's what the you know, real good thinkers are saying. Okay. So the plan to enforce the cap is there's a group of wealthy countries moving ahead with a plan to ban the insurance and financing of Russian oil shipments unless they're priced at a certain level or below. 
Yes, and ninety percent of their of their uh, shipments are you know basically insured by Europe. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Okay. Questions are starting to come in. Michael, I see you there. He says, I am denying. <laughs> I appreciate that. Gary Rasmussen comes in with, has Putin made a de facto reserve energy currency? Uh, <sighs> well, Putin, before the invasion, uh, for years, for several years, built up uh, Russian currency reserves. So I think uh, he, you can't get away from the dollar that easily. But in part, he is tempered, uh, uh, you know, this with a uh, uh, an, uh, a, uh, a pseudo energy currency right. to a degree, not totally. Mm -hmm. But he, he cannot escape the world uh, impacts because of the you know Russian right. economy for what 20 years well ever since the fall of the Soviet Union was becoming more geopolitical yeah Jim I, I just recalled something that I think you said on the free-for-all on AgriTalk on Friday when when you said that that Russia will continue to move to Asia you said on Friday that Asia is then turning around and selling that Russian oil out into the global market. Is that happening? And how, how widespread is it? That's probably widespread. It's hard to okay. track, Chip, because even some of these ships now that they've found that, that they're decoying some of their signals so you can't follow them. So it, it's, it's, it's uh, I think, intelligent speculation, but because you're seeing the volumes go yeah. uh, over to China, and they can't even use it all. So, right. yeah, they're making some profits. So okay. uh, China and India, India especially. Okay. Uh, Tanner makes a good point. And Tanner came in with, doesn't Germany have inventories near their goal of 75% of last year's needs in regards to natural gas? I know that they have built up significantly their inventories. I don't know if it's all the way to their goal yet, is it? It's 85% now. 85%? 85%. Okay, so that tells you, yeah, they have made substantial progress. Now, it depends on the temperature. It depends on their other actions. But it looks like uh, they're, you know, they're doing what they have to do. Okay. And then Melody came in with the point that that uh, that I just made. Sorry, Melody. Russia is, is selling oil uh, and gas to China that in turn is selling it to Europe. We just discussed that. Yeah, that's just like our grain embargo. Remember the Carter grain embargo? Similar things happened. It's just it's just hard to track. Right, right. Okay, there's uh, E. Sundell, A.B. Sundell says, this is a big mess. All fertilizer plants around the Baltic Sea are shut down. We are now struggling to buy. Even if we want, there is halting availability of fertilizer products around the Baltic. It's going to continue as an issue. Yeah, this fertilizer yeah. thing is not going to go away anytime soon. So yeah, we could be right back in the soup, you know. Right. And look at you look at diesel prices while gasoline prices have come down. That's right. Rather significantly diesel is what over over $5. Over 5 bucks a gallon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you're 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 spot on fertilizer nobody knows with any uh significant odds of when the fertilizer market will be tempered and so it'll be a a plus side again for for you know world ag 
Right. If you want some perspective on what's going on in the fertilizer markets, we had Josh Linville from Stone X Group. He is he's kind of the, the go-to guy on a lot of fertilizer issues for many uh, news outlets right now. Uh, but we had him on AgriTalk on Wednesday last week. Give that conversation a listen. I think it'll shed some light on exactly what's going on out there. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit more about Russia and, and their activities in Ukraine. What are they doing? Are they targeting a nuclear plant? You know, it shut down over the weekend because they lost electricity. So they had to fire it down. So that it just the odds are at least increasing of a dramatic impact on that chip. And that's all I really want to say because I'm going to let – uh, the experts talk on that one, but the, the but the the uh, outlook on that is not good. I also want to point out before I forget, over yeah. the weekend Russia approved uh, giving uh, Putin more freedom uh, in countries that have Russian citizens. Now I I don't want to hype it too much, but just think of this: he can go into a country to help. Russians, you know, much like he did in in uh, in the Crimea, you know, remember when he said he was just helping the Russian citizens. So they gave him more flexibility. That's not a good sign. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's move to another spot, another potential hot spot that everybody is watching. And China has threatened over the weekend to take countermeasures after the Biden administration approved the sale of more than $1.1 billion worth of arms to Taiwan. This is pretty much standard operating procedure stuff, isn't it? It is. And this is what the Biden administration, I think, uh, um, accurately said that this was, uh, uh, you know, coming. This is, should not have been a surprise to China. But again, they're going into their party Congress chip on October 16th. So they have to appear that they're not backing down one iota to the United States. So I think is this is more uh, noise rather than any signal to me at this particular okay. time. Okay. Uh, as long as we're talking China and, and conflicts here, it, it looks like the White House is going to keep the Trump era tariffs in place for a while, right? Yes. USTR, uh, US Trade Rep put out a statement Friday, and they're going to call for more comments, but this is just delaying it right now because you had a number of U.S. manufacturers that wants to keep those tariffs on. So I think that the way Washington, I don't care whether it's Democratic or Republican administrations, the way they think that they solve problems is just to extend something, Chip. So, you know, they don't know really what they want to do on this one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. The I, I feel like I need to back up to something, Jim. Where was it? I just saw it in my I want to go notes. back to the disaster aid, Chip. Well, yeah, yeah no, we're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. When we talk about energy issues, we need, we need to talk about the U.S. commitment to restock the SPR every time we talk about it now. Okay. What is the level of commitment? 
Well, eventually, yes. But in, in part of this uh, package that the White House sent to Congress uh, Friday, I think it was Friday, I, I haven't seen much reporting other than on pro-farmer chips. So others are going to follow us up on this one. But sure. in there, they've requested uh, $500 million more million for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So it will give them a longer time to refill it. And there's other reasons for the uh, you know funding request for the SPR, but that caught my eye in some of the requests. So that answers your question last week, Chip, is how soon will they start refilling it? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's anytime soon. Okay. It's got to be before the end of the year. It gets into by the end of fiscal 2023 that starts October 1. That's kind of what the language kind of signaled. Okay. So they have a full year. Oh, man. Yeah, about 15 months. Yeah, the, it's, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a shock to the system when the, when, when the U.S. comes in and starts competing for, for oil on the global market. Depends where we're at, at, at that particular time. Yeah, it, but they yeah. could always, you know, the emergency declarations. I mean, the White House uh, can probably say there's an emergency and uh, or they could put another line in the coming, uh, uh, you know, continuing resolution to give them more flexibility. Those okay. are the things we, you know, we're watching for. OK, let's talk currencies here just real quickly, because Adam had a, a question says, good morning. Good morning, Adam. How significant is the dollar index cracking above 110? Uh, the dollar strength, which now continues to go higher. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had an interesting uh, uh, article today saying that around the world, traders are flocking to the U.S. equities market now because it's it's one of the few uh, games in town, uh, knowing what's going on uh, in, in the rest of the world for some of the reasons we've already talked about. Uh, that That's uh, giving U.S. consumers more power, more flexible power for their buying power. So, but uh, yeah, you with the uh, Fed going to increase interest rates, probably seven, another 75 basis points, September 21st, the 20th and the 21st on the next FOMC meeting, you're going to see a continued, uh, well, at worst, a stable dollar, uh, uh, if not an increasing, you know, dollar strength. And you're seeing that in the euro that went under parity again. Yeah, it's at 99 and the British pound and the yep. yen. Uh, so yes, that that's uh, unless uh, we have the G7 go in and, and, and settle this thing down again, that you can't rule out that either, Jeff. Right, right. Yeah, the dollar index this morning is up about 680 points at that 110.20. I saw a comment last week that the dollar is so strong in Europe that even the Europeans have to call it soccer now. Yeah. <laughs> and a number of Americans are going to Europe and to buying real estate and yep. houses. Uh, yep. So, yeah, these are the things you see when currencies get out of alignment. And yep. it'll it'll come to the G7's uh, attention. We've been through this before, what, several decades ago. That's right. Okay. Let's get to uh, this one because this is a biggie, no question about it. The Biden White House has asked for $47.1 billion dollars 
including a higher than expected 11.7 billion in military and budgetary aid for Ukraine. Jim, this is going to sound kind of cold and heartless, but another 11.7 billion dollars for Ukraine, and all we can do is Missis- in Mississippi is tell them not to drink the water. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that it's it's a come on, there. yeah, th- th- that's gonna get them in trouble eventually if they keep it up. But this is a proxy war. This is not Ukraine yeah. uh, fighting, uh, you know, Russia by itself. This is the proxy war with the U.S. Yeah. and in Europe. You know, that is clear. And uh, administrations always, uh, uh, you know, suggest uh, supplemental spending, and they're usually very important things. And this is one of them, uh, but still more aid for Ukraine. But included in there was six and a half billion dollars, Chip, for disaster aid, of which a billion and a half is for crops and livestock disasters this year. This year. Now, just as soon as we reported on that over the weekend, I got a flood of emails saying, is that all that the ER emergency relief program, which will, it'll probably be implemented that way. Is that all that's going to total? No. Uh, uh, Farm state lawmakers now have a history of increasing that once uh, they get into the details of what we will eventually have a continuing resolution or a stopgap funding measure to be approved by uh, the end but by the end of this month chip so we're going to know but i want to tell listeners we don't know the full amount uh, number two, it, it, it will probably go out via the ERP program because USDA now has the regulations for that. Uh, they have history of that, and they're able to get the money out uh, in a more efficient manner. So, uh, again, additional aid is coming, and this would be multiple years now for the uh, ag disaster aid, which causes some questions in the uh, crop insurance area that eventually is this going to be a yearly program and if so how will that affect farmers attitudes for uh, toward buying crop insurance yeah, absolutely um and it's it's the amount of ad hoc spending on disaster programs has got to have an impact on the debate the negotiations of of the next farm bill it will Yes, yes, a- a- absolutely. That, but you know, I and uh, in uh, at the Farm Progress Show, GT Thompson uh, had a, had a presser, and he made clear that if if he is the new House Ag Committee chairman, if the Republicans do take over the House, uh, an extension of the current farm bill is not an option, Chip. So he made that clear. And that's the feeling we got, if you recall, when I had dinner with him and his yeah. wife uh, a month ago, I guess. Uh, so he's following suit on that. But I'll tell you, a farm bill is going to, it's, you know, after watching 10 of them, uh, first and foremost is they have to settle on uh, how much funding is going to be available for food and nutrition. If you don't get that, you won't have a farm bill. We saw right. that the last farm bill. So there has to be, and it's usually a lot more money. 
Once you have that settled, then you can discuss, okay, how much funding is available? And they're going to request from the budget uh, you know, committees additional funding above and beyond what the traditional Farm Bill baseline would look like. And I think they're going to need it. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to need it. Uh, this, it, the, Look at what the uh, federal payments, the ad hoc payments, the emergency relief payments, uh, have meant to total farm income. You had those numbers last week. Yes, and it was a dramatic change in their net farm and net cash income from yeah. what USDA forecast in February. I'm not faulting USDA. They didn't know some of these payments would be approved. They have to go on the on the policy existing at the time they make their forecast. So uh, yeah, this shows you the importance until we get hopefully settled down in the years uh, ahead that you won't have to rely on these ad hoc payments. That, But they're needed. I'll tell you, I, I get a lot of emails and calls where it's needed, it's needed significantly. And that happens to be you know, in the west, west of the Mississippi. That's where yeah. it's needed. Yeah, um, I'm telling you, Jim. And even with the amount of money that has been spent in, in the ag industry over the last two, three years, uh, they, there are some that have still been left out. You know, and I'm looking at the hog industry. Yes. And and some of those hog producers, it, it, they they experienced un, you know huge costs, huge costs that still have not been covered much if any, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Well, some has been covered, but not nearly enough. To be fair, I don't think it's been equitable to the hog hog sector. Some of this, uh, you know, financial assistance. And if that's the case, I know Brian Grady uh, chatted with me last week because he knows I have a lot of contacts in the hog industry. And we're trying to confirm a rather uh, uh, a trend that we're picking up in some of our sources, Chip, of liquid, some liquidation yep. in, in the hog sector. And we're going to, we're probably going to see those numbers come into fruition in the latter part of this year. Right. Right. Um, it uh, the bleeding. There's bleeding. Yeah, there. that's yeah. exactly right. That's the bottom line. There, it's in some markets. It's hard to get sows in right now. Yes, you you make the phone call. It might be three weeks before you get sows into before you can move them. So, okay, just a couple of minutes left. What else are you watching closely this week? Well, I want to see action again on this continuing resolution and the White House budget request. We have the crop uh, report coming out, what, September the 12th? So yeah. the, the key That's things there will be what if that second digit on the corn yield, the trade is at a seven. 172 mm -hmm. about uh, the pro farmer estimate had a six in there. Uh, so that's a key. But even at 172, corn prices will be uh, you know relatively firm. Yeah, We're going to have to watch the acreage to see if NAS uh, uh, agrees with uh, pro farmer. I think we went up what 500,000 acres on soybeans on soybeans and kept yep. corn the same. The same. And so uh, it's kind of we're gearing up there. Australia uh, Monday put out a huge uh, wheat crop estimate and a good canola crop uh, uh, estimate as as well. So that that's what we're watching. And of course, Fed action uh, coming up here 
on the 20th and the 21st. Okay, very good. I'm going to have Jeff Cooper from RFA, the CEO at RFA, on the show this morning talking about the administration's plans to come with a three-year RVO, renewable volume obligation. Is that even legal under the RFS, Jim? I think it's probably legal. That okay. That, that uh, they've given EPA pretty good flexibility, which they should. And again, as we discussed on AgriTalk on Friday, if they do that, it was first a writer story, if, they, if EPA releases three years, that's good for the industry because then you can plan. There's always subject to changes as we get into that particular year uh, because, you know, market situation changes. But at least you can kind of plan a lot better than after the fact, Jeff. We've gone, what, well over a year on some uh, getting some of the final, uh, you know, numbers for the uh, uh, RVOs of the R RFS. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with Jeff. We'll get to some of the details and we can obviously talk about some of the other issues that are happening in the in the industry. Jim, I, I'll admit I might be a little distracted this week. Oh, I, I'm just saying it is beat Iowa week. It's, it's <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State this weekend. And and uh, so I might be just a touch distracted. Hopefully, I can hold it together until we get to the weekend and <laughs> and try to uh, to figure it out. You know, I figure after the way the Hawkeyes played this weekend, I figure if we can keep them from punting, if we can keep them from punting, we might stand a chance of winning the game. Wow, it's one of the strangest things. Have you ever seen a team get to seven with? A field goal and two they, safeties. They had they had that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And We've it's probably seen punter. it before, but not often. Not yeah. often. And it's because of that punter. There's no question about it. All right, Jim. <laughs> uh, like I said, I've got Jeff Cooper from RFA on this morning. Courtney uh, Knup from the National Pork Board is also going to be on the show today. We've got a great lineup, including I will be remote at a wetland at a wetland uh, in Iowa, Waverly, Iowa, on wow. Thursday this week. And the Iowa Corn is uh, is sponsoring that show. We're going to be talking about some of the the benefits and um, of wetland restorations and, and what it means for nutrient runoff and so on. So I want to point out that today, in fact, uh, shortly after this program, I do my quarterly taxes, UGH. And once again, it tells me that it's taxpayers that pay for all these transfer payments, the government just implements these programs. Yes. So my and other people's taxes help pay for needed things. Absolutely. Some not needed things. Some not yeah. needed things. Yeah. Let's let's spend wisely. Yes. Shall absolutely. we? Not not absolutely. just broadly. No. Not just broadly. Let's spend wisely. Absolutely. Jim, thank you so much, buddy. Yeah. Have a great week. Keep watching for those signals.